2: I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio.
0: It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the host of HopeNet
1: Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio tonight. Jeff, DW in studio with you guys tonight. It is good to be with you guys tonight. Kyle and Todd are in studio as well. What's up, you guys? Hey, good to
4: be here. What's going on? It's good to be back.
1: Oh, it
2: is good to be back. You guys have a good week? Yeah, it was great to be on break. It was too short, though, you know. <laughs> Up and back and down to Madison and back and all over the place.
1: Yeah, spring break's always like that, isn't it?
2: It is. But it's nice, though. It's nice to go
4: see some family, see the church family, you know, see everybody that you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. It's good. it's good. It's refreshing.
5: Don't you think, though, that life should always be spring break? I mean... Before... Yeah,
4: I'm, well, I
2: think life should always be on a tropic island. Yeah, cuz in Michigan beach. it's basically, you know, Siberia up there. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like Narnia, perpetual <laughs> winter. We still have feet and feet of snow. I was plowing for my dad and I couldn't even see the yard cuz there's like misty mountains, you know. Oh my it just goodness.
5: always winter, never Christmas.
2: Yeah, awful. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, at least so. you're here and it is good <laughs> to be with you here with you guys. So, we're glad you joined us tonight. You can get involved on our conversation anytime tonight. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com. Or if you're on Facebook or Twitter, look up Hopenet360. Get connected with us, and we'd love to hear from you tonight on the show. DW, we've got someone in studio with us tonight. This is the show where conversations save lives. And uh, I want you just to introduce a little bit of who our guest is and, uh, yeah, just share about about our discussion tonight. You know,
5: I will. You know, uh, we have a good friend. His name is Lee Mays. And he uh, actually lives out in Colorado Springs, so he's joining us in studio via phone, which you might be able to be able to tell. And Lee is a very unique individual in, in the sense that he has been on a journey that has been very unique that God's brought him through. And, and really, it's been a great struggle, but he's been able to uh, weather a lot of storms and God is using him in a very significant way today uh, to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I'm proud of this young man. Um, I'm still calling him young. Lee, I probably shouldn't when you get on call you young anymore. But um, I'm proud of this young man. I'm proud of what he's doing with his life. I'm proud of the fact that he has decided to go through the journey rather than around it. In other words, take the hard steps um, of of learning who God is and learning the plan. And and I just want to welcome Lee Mays to our program. Welcome, Lee, to uh, Hope Net Radio. We're glad you're with us tonight.
3: Well, thank you, thank you. I I love being here. I love the opportunity to uh, kind of share what what's going on and um, not waste any of my experiences.
5: Yeah, you know, Lee, tell me, um, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Did you grow up in a in a typical home and learn about Jesus when you were little and sing songs and have just a great um, uh, kumbaya kind of experience when you were little, or or, or was it something different than that?
3: Well. Uh, Obviously not like that at all. I um, grew up in, in Northwest Illinois, about 20 minutes from Wisconsin, about an hour and a half from Chicago, and um, grew up in a very dysfunctional family that wasn't working uh, really well on any on any level. Um, uh, my story starts with my mom's story and, and just uh, her needs and and what happened to her, um, you know, you, you find out things as you go through life, and I find out later that she had been raped by a, a neighbor back uh, back in a time where that was very um, embarrassing, and you didn't talk about those things, and so she grew up in an environment where she didn't have anything to uh, handle in a healthy way her experiences, it wasn't a part of the conversation in the church, um, and wasn't socially acceptable. So with that in mind, my story starts with my mom, like the old country song says, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And um, you can imagine uh, a young woman that um, didn't have the resources and to deal effectively or healthily with her experience, didn't have anyone to converse uh, with about it, and, and what she would do, and, and it left to her, her own means to try to work through things. And um, what, what ended up being the result was that uh, my mom had been married once before uh, I was even thought of, uh, divorced, and then got pregnant with my older brother um, uh, from, a, from a, one of her uh, college professors, and then... Um, ended up marrying my legal father, convincing him that the child was his, which it wasn't. And then while she was married, had two more affairs, two different men, producing us three boys. So there's, there's three of us we are all technically half-brothers. All three have different fathers, um, none of which is our legal father, which is, is, is the man that we carry his last name. So that, that's kind of the beginning of it, you know, the beginning of the story. And it, it kind of makes it right for, you know, all the things that, that happen next.
5: Obviously, I mean, you were growing up in a in a home that basically um, had no stability. Is that correct? Correct. Go into the story more as, as when you were young and what you were thinking about life and what you were thinking about God, what you were thinking about whatever. I mean, what was going through your head as a young man?
3: Well, um, <laughs> So my, my first experience with pornography was as a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old. And, a half year old. and pro- probably key to my story and understanding my own masculine journey is that the only male representation I had in my life, uh, outside of a grandfather who was um, belonged to the Masons, uh, was these men in the pornography. And, and as I... Went through counseling later in life. Uh, counselor very adequately identified that I was fathered by the men that I saw in in, in the pornography, and so um, my ideas of masculinity, ideas of who I was as a man, and sexually, uh, my perception of my body, uh, and, and in some ways, my perception of God, were all kind of determined by these these men that were not. Um, were not my father, but were the closest thing that I had to a, a father, and so that really um, is important, I guess, as, as you look at my story, to say, okay, this wasn't it wasn't just absent of of any kind of stability. The, the things that were offered to me were really twisted and uh, not normal or or healthy in any way.
5: And so you're you're saying, Lee, in essence, that. Um, the the viewing of that pornography, and you were quite innocent at four years old. I mean, you were just looking at what was there, probably. I mean, that was something that right. d- profoundly oh, yeah. affected you later in life. Right. Yeah.
3: Right. But that's, that's not something that I knew growing up. You know, what I knew growing up was that this was just normal life. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like I was some sort of perverted, twisted child, you know, uh, that was into porn. It it was, this was a part of my environment. I didn't know any different. Um, uh, Yeah, it was just like, it was there. So
5: as I'm thinking about that, Lee, when, if if I'm listening now to this podcast or this radio broadcast and and I am a young person and I'm struggling with the idea of, uh, or thinking that this stuff doesn't affect me, uh, you're telling me that that's a lie. That, that the pornography that I might be taking in by the hours every day will affect me. Is that true?
3: It, it is true. It is true. And, and, I, and I want to offer some grace here as well. You know, the, the, the advantage that I have talking about my story is from a, a man that's much older than my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And my perspective when I was younger, I did not understand my story. I did not understand what contributed to my story, and so I accepted yep. some things about myself that were untrue, mm-hmm. like how I got to the point where pornography was a part of my life. Mm-hmm.
1: Lee, I'm so appreciative of just your story because, again, this is the show where conversations save lives. We're going to talk about things that are difficult, and someone listening tonight, I can just imagine you you have the same story. You have experiences that you're not even sure how they affect your life. And i talked to a lot of students, Dave, I'm sure you guys talk to a lot of students who just have situations that they're not sure what to do with or how to handle and not even sure what their story is. I appreciated the, those words there, Leah, just how you're not even sure what your story is. It's just you have all these experiences, you're trying to make sense of things that are confusing. And so we want to talk more about that tonight and kind of give some clarity to it. And hopefully something tonight makes sense And uh, so, yeah, we are going to take a break here on the show. Make sure to connect with us at hope at hopenet360.com. And we'll be back here with more on HopeNet Radio. Are you
0: hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com.
1: Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW with you at studio tonight. We're glad you've joined us. Remember, you can always connect with us at Facebook and Twitter at HopeNet360. And we would love to hear from you tonight. We're talking with Lee Mays. He is a good friend out in Colorado. And so he's joining us by phone and studio tonight, sharing his story. And this is a show where conversations save lives. And I will give you a heads up, parents that are listening tonight or want to talk about some difficult things, some experiences that may be uncomfortable to talk about. And uh, so we do podcast every single show. If you're not ready to listen to it now, you can catch it on our podcast. Visit our website, Hopenet360.com. So we would love to hear from you tonight. And, Lee, we were kind of talking before the break. There were things in your past that really, really shaped the person that you became today. You were just talking about how things were really dysfunctional at home, things that were going on with your mom. you would not really... Quite knowing exactly who your dad was or not having a stable home. And uh, there's probably a lot of young people that are listening tonight, and maybe they can relate with your story. I'm kind of wondering if there were things in your, when you were growing up, like what behavioral things were you experiencing? Were you someone who got in fights? Did you struggle with anger? What things were really going through your mind as you were a kid?
3: You know, um, <clears throat> there's something about sexual abuse as a kid. That your perpetrator, uh, whoever it is that's uh, doing the sexual abuse, makes you a part of the abuse. And so, what happens in a, in a child's mind is that good becomes bad, and bad becomes good, and your, your objections are wrong, and the abuse is right. And and so, what was happening in my mind was that that reality was being twisted to the point where you know I kind of didn't know what was up and what was down. And so my, my reaction to the abuse was to think that I was a bad kid and that I deserved it or that I caused the abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was the proverbial good son. You know, all, all that abuse, uh, aimed towards me, uh, caused me to try to be better. And so I would, I would work hard at trying to understand my mom, anticipate her needs, avoid the conflict, be a good boy, and so I worked hard at doing everything well and perfectly and being obedient, you know, and then my mom would would throw in uh, Scripture verses, actually, and, mm. you know, the Bible verse that says, Honor your mother and father that it may go well with you, mm. and you may live long on the earth and prosper. Yeah. And, you know, I would be abused, and I would object or cry or whatever, and then that Scripture was used against me. And so I I tried as hard as I could to be the good boy, Lee. When you but, talk
5: about being abused, are you talking about just looking at pornography, or is there other stuff that actually happened?
3: No, I, you know I I unfortunately am in the small minority of, of being having been uh, abused, sexually abused by my mother. Sexual abuse isn't just about physical contact; it's about things that you're seeing. Uh, it's about you know being a surrogate spouse for a parent in, in the sense that. Um, you become emotionally, sexually, physically responsible to to meet the needs of a parent, um, and so yeah, abuse takes on a lot of different things. And and the, the thing the thing about any form of abuse, if it's physical, emotional, or verbal, it's all sexual because it impacts who we are sexually as males and females. That it either it either um, undermines who we are, or it gives us a warped sense of who we are. Mm-hmm.
5: So if I'm a young person today and I'm listening to this radio program tonight or podcast and, and I am confused because I'm I'm like you were when you were younger. I'm, I'm There's things going on that don't make sense to me and yet they're right. normal. I, the, some of the things you said for some people that are listening, it might be normal for them. I mean, just like it was for you. Am I getting that right? It was normal for you at one point?
3: It was normal. It was so normal. And, and I, it really wasn't. You know, I'm 45 years old. And it really hasn't been until the last five or six years that I've began to get a, a, a healthy perspective on the things that happened to me. Right. So if you're a young person out there with a story that's anything similar to mine, you need to hold that story loosely right now. Yep. Because you, you cannot, it, 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 it's not a statement on who you are. It's a statement of where you are. That it's, it's not possible for you to understand your story at this point in your life. You need to hold loosely the things that you believe about yourself until you get to a point where you're in a healthy environment with healthy voices speaking into your life, with people that care about you, because because where you're at right now is not what God has determined for you, and and it's it's giving you a warped perspective. The danger that we get into as teenagers, is that we make decisions based upon what we know, mm-hmm. but what we know isn't yeah. the, necessarily the truth. Right. You know, and so we're sometimes, as, even as we look at suicide or addictions or alcohol or drugs, we're making decisions based upon what we know, and we don't know the whole story. Hmm. And yeah. So you're, you're making a you're making a lifelong decision based on a temporary yeah. understanding.
5: Now, would it be wise, Lee, for a young person that's listening to that to say, "You know what? I need to find somebody that's older, someone like you, Lee, to, to talk to about this." I mean, is that is that a wise thing to start pursuing to just get a dialogue going?
3: It, it, it is a wise thing, a definitely wise thing. But you, you also have to be careful because a lot of what I heard growing up, as I sought help, was was not to look at it. Mm. And and so, unfortunately, it's a very dangerous process, but if you don't risk, if you don't move forward, nothing's going to change and isn't going to get better. And so you may actually have to try a couple times, talk to a couple different people, and pray, 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 pray that God leads you to the to a healthy person with a correct perspective of grace about the things that have happened to you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, honestly, Lee, as I'm listening to your story, I'm just – I'm amazed that I'm not talking to you through, like, a prison glass because there are so many young men who, as they go through these experiences in life, these really negative, almost damaging things in their lives, they act out in different ways. Um, They try to fill those needs with different things. And, unfortunately, what ends up happening in these destructive behaviors and lifestyles is it ends up catching up with them. I'm just going to jump out on a limb and, and say something changed your life maybe at a young age or somewhere along the way that prevented that destiny from happening to you. And uh, I, I would, I'd I like for you to maybe talk a little bit about that because that's, there are so many things that can happen when we look at our, our young generation today and w- the fact that we're faced with such an, a tremendous amount of young men that are growing up without dads in their life, a stable dad, their real dad. I mean, you, you throw so many different components into in the mix here. And not only do you have a confused kid, but you have someone who's just looking for that love, that affection, someone that they can find that's going to give them security, significance, and sometimes that ends up being in a gang, sometimes it ends up, you know, dealing drugs or whatever. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, like, where the change happened to you? How did you cope with this?
3: Oh, man. Uh, Not well and and not in healthy ways many times, but... uh there's a very big theological term called prevenient grace, and basically what it means is that God is trying to get to know you from the very beginning and laying a foundation of faith. And and there were things in my life that that I was aware of God uh, at, at a very young age. I would I would lose something um, and and pray to find it, and I would. And this was all before before I really had what I thought of the. Uh, uh, an experience with God as, as knowing Him as Savior. And um, there was a time, I was four and a half years old, went to this show with my mom. It was a cooking show back in the day, and there was like 1,200 women there. They were making these dishes on stage, and, and they were going to raffle, not raffle, they are going to draw to see who wins these meals. And my mom and my grandmother were there. They both put their name in, and I prayed as a four-and-a-half-year-old that one of them would win. It was a chocolate cake, a beef boulash and something else, and my mom and my grandmother both won. Mm. And that makes an impression on a four-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. And as I told my mother and my grandmother that I had prayed for that, they denied it. But I knew in my heart, as a mm. four-and-a-half-year-old, that God was real, that He heard my prayer, mm. uh, and had answered it. Wow. And it was a year-and-a-half later, um, when I was six years old, around Easter time. That um I came to understand uh, Christ as my savior wow. and and it was through all of that time I mean my life wasn't perfect wasn't great, but it was during that time that the abuse that i that I was uh, experiencing intensified, hmm. so you know me accepting Christ didn't make everything rosy, yeah. but it did give me a resource on which i could I could cling to, and not always correctly, you know because religion and uh, that was being represented to me in a warped way, right. but my faith from a very young age as God it showed me who he was, was something that I was able to rely on and help me maneuver my childhood.
5: You just said a mouthful and we need to, we need to follow up on that in the next segment, I think. but the bottom line really is you are talking about the very mercy and grace of God starting at a very young age, and, and there are people yes. that are out listening that need to understand that, that our lives are not a snapshot, but they are a journey. There's there's a long process there, and we want to keep talking in the next segments about that.
1: You can get connected on the show tonight. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com if you have a question for Lee and uh, his story. We're going to hear more of his story and more about the work he's doing now when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens
0: in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. We're glad that you have joined us on the show tonight. We've been chatting with Lee Mays, and this is a young man, as Dave has quoted, and uh, he's sharing his experience of growing up in a house that was completely dysfunctional, but also where he had pretty much a stack of cards dealt to him that was stacked against them. And so he's been sharing his story. It's a difficult story because sometimes as we're listening, as you're listening to the show, you're thinking, man, I don't even know what to do with this. I don't know how to process this. What do you, what do you say to someone who's growing up that's experiencing these exact same things of being abused and having things exposed to them with before it should even be a thought? Correct
5: me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that, that there are, are people that might be listening to us, according to what Lee said here. That don't even know they're being abused.
1: No, I it, know that. But I'm it, just sitting here thinking as an adult, I, I'd be outraged. I mean, to me, it's like, what an injustice Absolutely, you know, to, for, for kids to have to experience this. And, uh, you know, there, there are feelings in, in my sense of anger. And I know there's a lot of young people that grow up that have experiences that, whether they're similar or they're not exactly the same thing, there's just been maybe an abuse in the past. Yeah, we want to talk about an issue that's really difficult to grab onto. We also want to open up the conversation and how, how does hope fit into this? Because really, as I'm listening, it's like, man, I don't, I'm just glad he's still alive.
5: You know, Lee, you were talking to us about your experience and, and God's mercy and his grace when you were young and you didn't see it, but it's part of your journey. And and yet you said things got even worse. then. can you can you kind of pick up the story and your your process thinking from that point where you're you're knowing there's a God but there's still garbage going on and 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 yet you're not knowing it's garbage maybe and can you kind of go from there and tell us a little bit more?
3: Definitely. Um. I don't I don't know why this experience keeps coming to mind, but just to kind of help set the stage. As a, as a twelve year old, uh, I was six foot three and um, prepubescent. And uh, my mom sent me to go live with my grandparents, who were both ailing in their health. And it was my job as a 12-year-old to get my grandmother out of bed, put her on and off the toilet, wipe her butt, you know, all of that, get her dressed, prepare breakfast. I would walk to where i get the school bus, go to school, come back, and do everything in reverse. Uh, so um, as a 12-year-old, my experience of sexuality my first experiences of understanding a woman's body are seeing my mom perform sexual acts and taking care of my grandmother and so that that kind of puts a very warped perspective that no twelve year old should have to deal with yeah. um and and so
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, things were stacked against me and i and I thought a lot at that point of, about suicide. I thought I was a homosexual you know because there's there's a part where you know, a child is trying to deal with his experiences, yeah. and, and and the default is that you always think that you're the bad guy. You think that you're wrong. And so uh, for me, as, as far as even thinking of, that I was a homosexual, was that I had to turn off anything that was sexually attractive about a woman because it was so detestable mm. and so uh, nauseating to yeah. me. I did not travel those years well. I knew Christ, I was walking with Him, I was daily in the Word, daily in the Scripture, uh, but there was no one guiding me except for what I knew of God, what I thought I was sensing from Him, and hearing from Him, and then all that was set against that, uh, as far as understanding how life works, what my role was, just everything was just really warped.
4: Lee, it's really amazing to hear your story, and it's, it's, it's incredible... <laughs> How did you understand that what was going on in your family wasn't normal? Like, at what point in your life did you go, okay, this is not normal, and, like, I'm not like I, every other kid. Like, my story's not the same. Like, what? at what point did you realize that?
3: Man, it wasn't in my childhood. It was far beyond my childhood. Hmm. It, was, it was probably after I'd been in ministry doing nonprofit work, um, probably at least uh, in my mid-20s where I started to begin to understand that my life wasn't normal. And for someone who hasn't experienced that, they're like, well, how could you ever think that's possible? And I think that's an important to understand is that if you haven't had the experiences, it's not something that you can say to a young child, just get over it. Yeah. Just, just pray more, just study more, you know, because someone has to enter the story, someone with a different perspective. If you're that teenager with the experience, you have to allow someone with a different perspective to come in and help you interpret and understand what happened. And if you're that adult that's entering the story, you've got to listen. Yes. You've got to listen, because if you, if you don't listen, it's it's, you're, it's a very dangerous place, because the, the child is the one who's experienced it, yeah. you can really do some damage. Right. You know, you've got to understand that we're not all working with the same definitions. So I, I went to camp as a kid, and— um, it was the last night of camp and I really had to use the bathroom. But the night before the counselor said, You will not get out of bed if you get out of you know, there there's gonna be there's gonna be punishment and all this and in my mind as a kid that came through abuse was if I disobeyed mm. the punishment wasn't just a reprimand, it was the next morning I'd be going to school with welts on my leg from the belt, uh punched in the face, uh emotional abuse, whatever. Uh, and so I wasn't working with the same definitions. Yeah. So it, it, it's important as the child and as people that work with those children to understand we're not all working with the same definition. When you say, when you say to a kid, I love you and a parent that has been abusive says, I love you. What that understanding of love means is it could be sexual. It could be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. It could be manipulative. It yeah. could be destructive. You know, all of those things.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yesterday I was just uh, counseling a young man and talking to him. And as we were talking, I, I was using a different language but the same idea, that, you know, you have to understand, I said, this person was, was not responding to him and that kind of thing. I said, you have to understand the filters they're putting that through. Mm-hmm. And, and I just used the word filter. You know, I mean, it's like you have to realize they honestly believe this and this is why, you know. And I think uh, you would be a very dynamic and important person to have uh, come to a uh, a conference or something and speak to youth pastors, because I think that's extremely valuable. And that's why I get really excited about your story about God meeting you when you were four years old somehow, mm-hmm. because God yeah. doesn't put it through filters. He, he understands right. that right from the beginning. Yeah. And he understood it and started working with you right at the beginning in a way that you could get it when you were 45 or 40 years old or something. And I think that's a marvelous right. thought process.
3: Right. If you if you read a lot of stuff about how to work with kids that've been abused, or you know, I know even in, in the Christian camping world that there are rules like after a kid is five years old, um, you should never put them on their lap, you shouldn't hug them, you shouldn't hold them, that kind of stuff. But but what I was needing as a child was for someone to to define what healthy love looked like.
5: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Know, I needed, exactly.
3: I needed someone to love me well because my understanding of love was. Part of my destruction,
5: you know exactly, Lee, and that's what we've we've been talking about here. You want to have somebody in your life. If if you're my age, and I'm I'm pushing sixty one of these years, and if you're my age, you want to be able to have a marriage. You want to be able to have a home. You want to be able to to have a life where young people who have not seen a normal can look and see a normal of people who actually love God and do things correctly. That's how God made it. It's a different season of life. I mean, even you now, you get the opportunity to live right and to help young people, and you actually understand the filters. It's very valuable. And uh, those people that are listening that think, man, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure I could be used. You know, there's one thing I think that we all need to do. And that's love God and start practicing that in public and and, and let God start developing us into the people we should be. And we will begin to know what to do, because as he worked with you at four years old, God knows what to do with those filters. We all we always don't. But he does. And we need to walk with him closely.
1: I do want to just make sure that we do touch on this. This is a very difficult topic to talk about whenever you talk about abuse. There are so many other things that go along with that, and especially if you are someone who works with teens, whether you're a pastor or you're somebody who works in a school, there are policies, there are procedures in place that when you find or you hear of a student or a teenager or a child that's being abused – there are situations, and I, I think it's almost across the board, anyone that hears of child abuse in this way of sexual abuse are responsible to report it. Yes. And I think that's really important to determine here. It's, this is a story that probably goes against maybe what protocol would be. Maybe nobody ever recognized it. And, Lee, I'm not sure how that worked, if anyone ever did know of your abuse. But the reality is there, there are things that we do need to keep in mind. And I think every one of us should look at ourselves. In that situation, if you know of a young person who's being abused, that you contact your local authority. And I know it's, it's a difficult conversation to have and to say, but honestly, when you're dealing with a kid, when you have a, a kid you know who is being exposed to these things, uh, man, to get them out of that situation to a healthy place, to a safe place is so vitally important. And uh, so we'll post a couple of links on our website tonight to help you with that. And if you, chances are, if you are someone who works in the health field or in the school, you probably know the protocol of that and being a reporter. So uh, we do take that seriously. And tonight, if you're struggling with things, I always want to remind you, there's a live coach waiting to chat with you right now. Visit Hopenet360.com. Talk to a live coach about stuff that is going on in your life. Maybe you're struggling with anger or just these emotions. You're not sure what to do with them. A live coach is there to chat with you about whatever is going on in your life. So we're going to take a break. Here on the show we'll be back with more with Lee in the second half of HopeNet Radio.
0: Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave.
1: Welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. So glad you've joined us, Jeff. DW in studio, Kyle and Todd are with us, hanging out.
4: Guys, what's up? Nothing much. It's a good show so far. It's, It's good stuff.
1: I know. It's one of those shows, it's been a little bit heavy. If you missed the first half of the show... We do podcast every single show. You can visit Hopenet360.com later on. And I invite you just to share the show with somebody that you know because somewhere along the way you you might have had experiences very similar to our guest tonight. Lee Mays is joining us from Colorado. He's on the phone with us, and we've been talking about Pretty much his story. This is a show where conversations save lives, and sometimes the only way to have a conversation to talk about difficult things is to have someone who can totally relate and has gone through these things. But yet the whole point of our show is to inspire hope. We want to inspire the conversation and hopefully help you to talk about things that are difficult to talk about in your family. So, Lee, thank you so much for taking some time and hanging out with us tonight.
3: My pleasure. Love it.
1: Yeah, so we've been talking about some really difficult experiences, and I just kind of want to ask you, I'm curious, because you talked about – how faith and the abuse kind of correlated. So in your family, you had some kind of idea of who God was, but it was more of a manipulative thing, and it contributed more in the abuse cycle. And I'm just kind of wondering, so as we're talking tonight, and you have a story that obviously you found hope later on in life. How did you come to find God to be not who you thought he was as you were growing up?
3: (laughs) I wish I could take credit for that, you know, because everything was set against me knowing the Father. Um, My understanding of who men were, my understanding of what a Father was, everything was set against that. And I can't take credit for it. You know, all I can say is that God held on to me. You know, as as I got more and more into my story, there was actually a time where I had to set the Bible down and step away, because Scripture had become... A, an implement of my abuse. Yeah. Because when was, Scripture was used against me, I could not look at Scripture for a while. I was like, Father, I don't know what your heart is for me, I don't know what you're saying, but, but what I'm understanding is I read Scripture is not who you are. And so I had to, in essence, kind of detoxify my understanding of religion and, and who God was. Mm. And it was a scary time. It was a very scary time, but it had to happen. Uh, and, and by God has kept me. God has kept me in that time, growing up with the abuse, um, and and you know, like kids do, they they begin to hate themselves or despise themselves. Mm-hmm. It's it's different for men and women. You know, as a as a young man growing up, just I despised my masculinity. I despised who I was because I you know, as I as I think about the abuse and what happened, I should have been stronger, I should have known better. Yeah. You know, why am I so emotional? Why am I so weak? You know, all that stuff. Mm. And there was there was a time in my life I was I was suicidal because I hated myself so much. And and, and there's a scripture that, you know, I didn't understand and it, it was like if any part of your body offends you cut it off. Mm. And so I, I looked at my sexuality and I looked at at my struggle mm. and I looked at what I you know all the experience with pornography and and homosexual feelings and all that, and in my mind I thought, okay, my genitalia is what is affecting my my relationship with God, oh. and so if I were to take the scripture literally, if a part of your body offends you, I thought, okay, I need to cut off my genitalia, mm. and so there were times I had the knife, and and I struggled, yes. I struggled because I was like, Father, I love you, but I just can't do this, I can't do this. Mm. Thank God that I didn't, because I didn't understand. There was no way that I could understand at that time my story. There's no way, and so I was, I was, I was abusing my own body. I was cutting. I was doing whatever before cutting was even a thing, because I hated myself. I hated who I was. I hated what I'd been a part of. Okay. I just hated those things. And and if I had, if I had made the decision at that time with what I understood about myself, which was not true. If I had made the decision at that time with what I understood about my reality, which was not true, mm. if I had made the long-term decision in that moment with what I understood temporarily, yeah. then, then I would not still be here today. You know, I would not be here today. Yeah. And, and, and so it, it took a lot in my life. Uh, for, for someone to get into my life. And, and there was a time where I told, I was telling a counselor my story. I told him something specifically that had happened with my mother. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? And I repeated the story. He's like, what are you saying? Because he couldn't believe what had happened. Mm-hmm. And, and I repeated it one time, one more time, and and he looked at me, he was mad. Not at me, but he was mad. He goes, your mother was freaking nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he was the first person that heard the entirety of my story that called it. Yeah. That stood and drew a line and said what happened to you was wrong. Right. And, and and what happened to me in that moment was for for literally 12 minutes or more I could not say anything because what was happening in my mind was a traffic jam. Mm-hmm. All the things that I understood about who I was and what had happened was coming in conflict with someone that said what happened to you was wrong. Yeah. And I didn't understand that. But, but in that moment, I began to understand that I was a child with legitimate needs that had been used against me by someone that was more concerned about meeting their own needs than they were about allowing me to be healthier and to grow up well. Yeah.
5: Well, oh, that's powerful, Lee. And And you know what? As you got older, you weren't sharing that story with everyone. Was that the first time you ever shared that story about your mom? I mean, very specifically, was with that counselor? Yes. And that's something that we talked about earlier, that young people today that are seeing the fruit, if we want to call it, if they're, if they're depressed, if they're suicidal, if they're, if they're angry and they can't figure it out, they really need to find somebody that's in a different season of life, older, and have a conversation and, and begin that dialogue somehow. Because there is somebody out there, just like you found, that will look at that and go, that ain't right. That's not right. And and we don't sometimes understand what a relief that is to a young person, uh, to, to to just hear that because they do believe like you like you thought it's my yep. problem it's my life I I've done something to deserve it it's just like a a child that goes through divorce that thinks it's my problem this divorce yeah. you know someone needs to say no it isn't
1: let's also remember too you know this was. Obviously, when you experienced it, it was. It, we talked about it a little bit in the break. How this was just a different time in history where things are different. And today, you know, anytime we find of someone who is who has been abused, who has gone through similar things, because this this still happens today. Don't,
5: don't you think though that people today are more hardened to it? I mean, it, it, uh, more sophisticated in hiding it, maybe. Because it's more, if you want to call it, with, with all the pornography and all the garbage that's gone out there, it, it's just more acceptable. It's more normal. So so the d- well, degree of discussing it might be less because they really do think it's normal. Turn on any I, I movie think it or is, whatever.
1: I think, that, I think when we talk about sexual abuse, it's going to be – it may be hidden more today because of the legal ramifications of it. Right. Because when you tell somebody that I'm being sexually abused, that – All of a sudden, it's like red flags, Child Protective Services, all this. And then the thought of I would be away from my mom, who I'm convinced right now that she actually loves me and is doing this for my benefit, like this is just normal, that it's going to create this turmoil. And so there's a fear of reporting. And I think it's always, 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 always important to get to a safe place. And I'm not saying the system is perfect. What I am saying is that what's happening to you is not okay. Right. And we need Absolutely. to help you. the church needs to be aware the church needs to help you too and there are legal things we are there are people who are specifically in their profession legally mandated to report a situation of abuse and that 's just i think that 's for everyone 's safety in, in the whole process because it is a very difficult thing. It is one of those things that um, it opens up so many different doors for conversations and we're not always the best ones to handle it, so it really, really is important. We have to say on the show that if you know of a young person who is being abused, who is going through something like this, that we take it seriously, and that we do get them the help. I, that my
5: need. concern is more why Lee would would be quiet about it. I understand yes. the early times, but then I started yes. to think, even in our times, it's probably a lot more quiet than it should be because it seems a lot more normal to people because any. All of this stuff they see all the time, anyway.
1: Well, there always is. There always is a struggle to you know to report, even for adults right. who you know someone who has been raped, a young woman who has been raped in college or something. There's always that fear of rejection. There's shame. There's guilt. There's you know, just like Lee said, I felt like it was my fault. I did something to deserve this, right. and so that in itself, the shame that's there, that's what people feel, and that's what they that's that's what's going on inside. So when you have somebody come in and say, "Whoa, that's messed up." That just like Lee said, that messes with your head because then it's all of a sudden like, wait, so you're telling me that person didn't really love me. they did something that was that was evil to me. That's not love. And that messes with your head. And so I want to continue that part of the conversation when we come back tonight. Remember, you can chat with the live coach anytime right now, even at HopeNet360.com. Also catch the rest of the show on podcast. If you are not able to hear it or you missed the first half of the show, this has been an inspiring conversation. And uh, we definitely have some more to talk about with Lee when we come back. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio.
0: If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is Hope Net Radio. Feel free to email the show. Hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Welcome back to the show, Jeff and DW, your host tonight, Kylan Todd, are with us in the studio. We have a special guest, Lee Mays, and he is on sharing a little bit about his story. And this is a show where conversations save lives. We're talking about a very difficult topic tonight, and Lee has had one of those stories where. Man, I just wish something could have changed. I wish someone could have stepped in. I wish, you know, someone would have known and been able to to save you, spare you from those experiences. But, Lee, as you're talking, you're kind of sharing about how God worked those things together for good. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here inspired at your story. That you know, in the midst of obstacles, in the midst of shame and guilt, and just feeling like, man, I deserved this. It was like you found hope. And to me that's the inspiring thing because today we have so many young people who think things are just not going the way I expected them to go, I find out that things are wrong and the people that I suppose I'm supposed to trust turn their back and, and they really made choices that impacted my future. Now I'm I'm left with these pieces and I don't know what to do with them and they just give up. Could you just take a couple of minutes and just share about what you're doing now?
3: Definitely. Um, you know every opportunity I get I I'm trying to speak about my story. I feel like I need to create the world I want to live in and the world I want to live in is with people that can can see uh, what they've been through and and begin the process of of dealing with it. And so I I speak wherever I can. Uh, My full-time ministry is with an organization called Training Ground uh, where we really intersect uh, life in a three-month intensive with college-age guys and they don't have my story but they have some story. They have something that happened in their life, and, and we want to walk with them. And these are not guys that are at risk, have jail sentences, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. These are just regular guys off the street that have their own story. And we want to we want to walk with them into their, their story, into their masculine journey, kind of help them unpack the things that they carry with them that aren't necessary, that aren't healthy, and, and then kind of help them repack and take with them the things that are going to be uh, good tools for them to live their life. Mm-hmm. And hopefully what what that will help them do is avoid... You know, 20, 25 years of making mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to continue to make mistakes, but hopefully get them uh, more equipped to live life well, to be good husbands and fathers and spouses and employees and, and all of that. So,
1: um, what's your primary mode of doing that? I mean, do you go in and speak in schools? Do you have a place where people come and do counseling stuff? Yeah. What, what, how, do you, how do you guys how do, you do training ground?
3: We, uh, we, the guys actually come to my house. I, I've been, uh, graciously, God has helped provide a house where the guys come and live. Uh, we have nine guys um, and two interns and about 45 different men that come through the program that are either teaching and they, they could tell them their story or teaching about finance or calling or work ethic. Or uh, we have a, a lady counselor that comes in and talks about caring for the heart of a woman. We talk about abuse and addiction and the mother wound and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. But it's a very intensive three month, uh, living in community. You know, there's enough room in my house that the guys can lay down their clothes, but there's not so much room that they can escape. Purposely, it's an intense experience where we have to rub shoulders with one another, know the story, be called out on our story and knock the edges off.
5: Now, if people want to know more about this ministry and really participate with you through prayer, or I know you have to raise your own support to be a part of this, if they want to get a hold of you somehow, what is the uh, web address they can go to?
3: www.trainingground.com. Okay. And you'll see the, the program, what we do, uh, the staff are involved. There's ways to give there. There's resources. In the, in the next few months, we hope to be putting one-minute and three-minute teasers out there about some of the teaching that's happening.
5: Very good. So if, I, if, if someone wants to support you, look at the work, uh, get involved. They can go there, and we'll put that on our website yep. so people can see that.
4: Yep. I had another question, and uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about this before and even in previous shows, I believe. But I think that you can provide some insight on it in that, you maybe went through it a little bit but like me wanting to become a pastor and us wanting to um help the health of young people what is what are some signs or some ways that we can recognize that somebody is maybe being abused or what are some things that we can do to gently help someone understand that they are being abused like how can we break that news to them softly in a way that they can handle that well
3: yeah and that's there's a <laughs> There's a, a lot of humility involved with all of what you just said, because it's such a dangerous and tenuous thing to to walk with people that are abused. Again, we'll go back to a previous show where we talked about how kids define and understand the things that you say, and so it's, it's something that is so volatile and so difficult, and we need to approach it on our knees, out of humility recognizing that we don't have all the answers, but we know who does. Mm-hmm. And so let us let me just address the first part of what you're saying, how do we identify? Around the age of puberty is where we naturally begin to explore sexual things and, and ask questions. So if you see a child before the age and around the age of puberty that is talking about sexual things, acting out sexual acts, replaying with other children sexual things, that is not normal. And there's a, there's a difference between, you know, innocent things where there's exploring, but, there's, uh, but when very specific sexual things are happening where kids are showing other kids things or, you know, talking about it or in, acting inappropriately with adults, those are red flags that say, hey, there's something going on, okay? If you have a happy-go-lucky child that all of a sudden is not happy-go-lucky, that becomes reclusive, you know, you need to, be, to question that. If you have a child that is too compliant or not compliant at all, you need to question that because something is happening. There's a normality to childhood where kids act out and explore and they make mistakes. They, they're cleverly rambunctious, or so they're getting into things, that's one thing. But if you, if you see an extreme either way, like in my case, I was incredibly compliant. I wasn't acting out, I wasn't angry, You know, I wasn't creating problems. I was the kid that I was, you would have looked at me and said, man, that mother is doing something totally right with this child. Yeah. Because he is so good. Yeah. But, but I was so good because that's how I could control and that's how I could maneuver in, in, in my childhood. Hmm. That's, that's how I, I gained security. So I would say things that are not appropriate for the age, if the child is expressing something, acting out, if, if there's extremes, extreme anger or extreme compliance. It's in those things that that you'll say this is not normal.
4: Yeah.
3: All right. And what was the second part of what you're asking?
4: How we can break the news to them softly that they do need help and that they do need to.
5: Should he say just deal with it?
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Yeah, I didn't think so. So that's it's such a difficult thing, and it's so volatile uh, because I guarantee you that the majority of the children, as you enter that conversation are going to feel guilt and shame about it, and are not going to hear things appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so it's, that's why I say it's such a volatile thing. There has to be so much humility before God and brokenness. Yeah. But what will not help is ignoring the problem. Right. You know, As, as I went to people that I trusted, especially in, in religion, what I heard was, read more, pray more, serve more, memorize more, don't look at the past, just mm-hmm. keep moving forward. Yeah. And that, and that's like telling someone with cancer, just ignore the cancer. You can't do that yeah. because you will be consumed by it.
2: Yeah. And,
3: and sometimes, like, if you have cancer, sometimes you need chemotherapy, sometimes you need surgery, and sometimes you will actually get sicker before you ever get better. Mm-hmm. But you have to go through the difficult things. What is so volatile is timing, you know. Uh, for me, the timing didn't come till later in life, you know. But I so appreciate the people that loved me, that sincerely called out positive things about me. And uh, what we can do is love well. We can speak the truth. We can, it's such a dangerous thing to do. Yep. But, but you may not be able to, for whatever circumstances, whatever it is, you may not be able to get it into legal action. But, but what you can do is be truly loving. Show what health looks like, be a safe place uh, until you get to the point where, where something can be dealt with. And yeah. that has got to be, this This whole process has to happen on your knees, has to happen in humility, See. has to happen with the recognition yeah. that if you don't have all the answers and you don't know how to solve this problem for the child involved, once you are given something to deal with it appropriately, Deal with it in a way that it's not going to cause more shame or more problems yeah. uh, and, they, and get them through healthy resources.
1: That's always a hard thing, too, because in a lot of times today, that means if a child is being abused, that means removing them from the home in many cases. And so there's right. there's that fear that goes along with it. But again, I, I have to just make sure that we that we know there's definitely a right way to respond. There's a wrong way to respond. The wrong way to respond is doing nothing. And the right way to respond is taking some action. So it may not be you who contacts authorities, but if you are maybe a parent, maybe you're an aunt, you're an uncle, and you're you're seeing things that are just – something's not right here, uh, you do need to speak up. You do need to either get them into a counselor or maybe consult with your your pastor and say, how do I approach this? Probably in your state, most states – would uh, not necessarily require clergy to do that. I know, at least in Wisconsin, that uh, it's very much encouraged if it's not mandated already. And uh, it is important to know that there are legal things to go into when you identify a young person who is being abused. So we are going to have a little bit more to wrap up our show tonight with Lee when we come back here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW wrapping up the show with you tonight. Kyle and Todd, you guys having a good week?
2: Yeah, it's been a good week. Are you looking forward to Easter? Very much, yeah.
1: Do you get to go home and, and do church with your family and stuff or what?
2: Yeah, and a friend of mine is actually well, my roommate when I was here, he's getting married the day before Easter. <laughs> wow. So wow, that's cool. Interesting timing on that. Yeah.
5: Give him a chocolate bunny. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's what I would do. Congratulations. A big one. Yeah, a big one. Get, yeah, like, big the, one. Get,
1: have you ever gotten
5: don't the, give him the cheap hollow one either, man. So have you guys
1: ever gotten that pound
5: home? Yeah.
1: The Pound Hershey kiss, it's like a buffet in itself. Oh, have you ever yeah. had that? No,
5: but I I wish I did. Jeff. You like have to take like a hammer and chisel.
1: But could you, to you know it? What, though?
4: you can't you can't miss on the peeps. Peeps, yeah. it's all about oh, the get peeps. Out of here, oh my you man. goodness. You the are peeps, not a peep person. Oh, I am a peep guy. Oh, I love no. those peeps. Are all the bear fans peep, <laughs> peep people?
5: Peep oh, people. <laughs> peep people, I love peep <laughs> those peeps. People? Are are Bear fans peep people?
1: Um, I think
5: humans are peep people. I think everybody should be a peep person. just Do you want
1: to Do you want to ruined peeps for me?
4: Chubby bunny competition. Oh, man. Oh, that is it. Yeah, you know what? I understand that. I would never do that, though, because <laughs> I I enjoy them too much. Like, I just want to eat one at a time and No, no, enjoy I know. It. I know. But How the, could
5: you enjoy a peep, honestly?
4: uh, It's called melting in your mouth. Oh, and, man. Uh, just the sugar see, rush. See, yeah.
1: you're a teenager, and when your youth pastor says, I'll give you five bucks to the person who wins the chubby bunny contest— how how do you avoid that as a teenager? Is you just that... say
4: no. You take the peeps and you walk away. But nobody ever told me time. I
1: should say no and then I did it and I didn't win and then I would just, I was terrible like, and you're, not, I you're not it. paid
5: to be like a peep sponsor or anything, are you? I mean, really, I've never met anyone who likes peeps.
1: Uh, I like peeps. Oh, man. A lot. Oh, man. Well, don't do a chubby bunny contest. I, I won't. Don't I've to seen peep, it. Don't even peep like, in front no, of me either. Dumb. Yeah, I was I was the guinea pig in that experiment. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> Lee Mays is joining us tonight on the show. We've been talking Do you about like heavy... peeps. Lee? No, this is a no peep zone
4: right here. Yeah, I'm oh, I'm man. with you, man. Come on. I'm I'm alone on this one I guess. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. You know, Easter's not about the chubby bunny stuff. It's it's really not about the chocolate. But you know, chocolate can be a good reprieve, especially if your New Year's resolution is still intact, and you're like, man, maybe I can just splurge on some chocolate. Uh, Easter is probably one of those holidays where you could do that. I don't know, uh, but anyway. Especially if
5: your New Year's <laughs> resolution was to eat more chocolate.
1: <laughs> we're gonna, we yeah, we're gonna wrap up the show with Lee here and, and talk more about really the message of Easter because I think, uh, as we were discussing earlier in the show, he made a very interesting statement that I I just thought was it was so profound that when you're when you're going through a situation where it seems hopeless. And you're not sure how to deal with what's happening in your experience. It's not making sense to you. You need somebody else to come into the story and change that. And Easter, you know, this the whole celebration we call it Resurrection Sunday, this person of Jesus was a very unique person, both from a historical context and also in our real life. That when we read scripture and we read about this Jesus person, this guy totally revolutionizes our life. And, Leah, I'd love to hear what your experience was, and how finding Christ totally changed everything in how you saw your story, and how things all of a sudden changed in your life when you met Jesus personally.
3: Man, things did change. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't immediate perfection. It wasn't immediate rainbows and butterflies, but it did change. It's a process, and I think, I think that we think that there's going to be an easy answer, but, but there's not always an easy answer. But God is who He says He is. In, in my journey, I had to cut it down to the very basic thing. And for me, it started out with the Bible verse that says, God is love. That's the verse. God is love. And so what I had to understand and what I chose to believe is that God is who He says He is and that He is love. That has to be true. It has to be true. Because otherwise, this is this is all just a big rat's maze, you know, and, and someone's playing with us. But, but the truth is, is that God is love. That is true. It's got to be true. And, and no matter what else you think or whatever else you've experienced, the thing that has to be true is, as we look at God's creation, as we look at what He's done and who He's created us to be, is, is that at the heart of it, at the very base, is that you've got to understand and know that God is love. For me, the next... Thing was a scripture in First Peter it says, and the God of all grace, and I, and that's important because I had to understand that He is love, God is grace, and that that He's called us to His says, and the God of all grace who's called us to His eternal glory through Christ Jesus. That that, and what that meant for me is that God is love, God is grace, that He has a plan for us, that He's called us to His eternal glory to be in fellowship with us, and He's provided a way through Christ. And this is huge. This next part is huge. All right. And it's so important for teenagers that are struggling. So, And the God of all graces called us to eternal glory after you have suffered a little while. All right? The lie of Satan, the lie of your life, is that this is forever and that this will never end. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. The situation that you're in will end. Mm-hmm. And, and you will not forever be this way. And And there will be a time if you hold on to God that this will change, mm-hmm. and your situation will change. And if you walk with God, there's going to be healing, and there's going to be hope, and there's going to be light, and there's going to be new life, mm-hmm. and there's going to be safety. Yes. And, and the things that you desire, God desires for you. And and the God of all grace has called you to eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you have suffered a little while. He will himself strengthen, perfect, confirm, and establish you. Yes. And, and this isn't somebody else. God himself will come into your life, will bring about the things in your life that you desire. They won't be easy, yep. because that's not reality. But but you will not be alone in this. God will provide a way. If you stick with Him, and if you don't give up, you, should, you cannot give up, because yep. the suffering is temporary. The thing that you're experiencing is so temporary. There is more for you. There's more for your life. And, and we find that in Christ. Yep. <laughs> you know? we find it in Christ. There is yeah. no other hope. There are things that you can turn to, but there is no other hope uh, than, than what we find in Christ, and yeah. that He can change your situation. And, and the things that you desire, the things that you hope for are possible as you walk with Him and, and stay in the journey.
1: And I think it's so important to point out, too, that God is not the one that's responsible for this that happened to you. And I think that's a hard thing for people to come to grips with, is when you're in the midst of, when you realize it's an abusive situation, you you look to, you blame yourself, and then the other time, sometimes you end up blaming God. Like, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? You know, why didn't you protect me from that? So those are very common thoughts, and I think the, the main thing is to realize, even in the story of Job, God was not the author of destruction. He was not the author of this evil deed, this evil moment in your life. But God is responsible for helping pick up those broken pieces and put them back together in a way that makes sense, in a way that is complete, and that you're not damaged goods that's not able to be used anymore for God's glory, that because of those things, they've disqualified you from God's love. No, not at all. And I think that's so important to recognize. You're listening tonight, and you're thinking, God's abandoned me. He doesn't love me. He let this happen to me. I just want to encourage you. Talk to a live coach tonight. And figure that out, because God is not a God who authors this evil stuff. God is a God who will allow it, and it's hard to understand. But once you come out the other side of it, if you trust in him, he'll take those pieces, he'll put them back together, he'll restore you. And those pieces aren't going to be broken, they're not going to be dysfunctional for long. God makes sense of things that don't make sense to us. And I think your story, Lee, is exactly that. You find God, you realize that, man, it's not God's fault. This isn't God's fault, why it happened to me. I know God loves me. God is love. You got to start there. I totally agree. And then from there, it's beginning that process to allowing God to restore those broken pieces. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. And I love that verse. And I think that's one of those things that if you're a young person, you're, maybe you're 20s, 30s, 50s, and you could be just realizing some of these things right now, hope isn't lost. There is hope. There's always hope.
4: It's an amazing story, and I just want, I want everybody who at least is even thinking that you might have been abused. I think it's very important that you go and you find somebody that, that you trust and that you love and you confide in them. Um, and I think it's important for people who are working with young people to be very noticing of, of signs that may be going on in young people's lives that are pointing to, towards abuse. I think this is a problem, and it's always going to be a problem, and I think the church has to play a huge role in this. I think that's very important.
2: I want to thank you too for sharing your um, story. It's important for people to be able to hear that things like this are happening. And I think it's also very important that, yeah, we come back to realizing that conversations save lives. Because um, as soon as we open up and speak truth, well, I mean, that's when healing begins. So I think that's super important.
5: You know, God's older than you, smarter than you, and loves you. You can trust him. I, w- I would start there. Talk to him. And he loves you.
1: So make sure to connect with us. Hopenet360.com is our website. We'll post the show later on tonight. If you catch it on the podcast, make sure you share it with a friend. We would love for you to connect with somebody who needs to know the message of hope. Because, again, conversations save lives, and the conversation inspires hope. So we're on Facebook and Twitter at Hopenet360. Get connected with us. And we'll see you guys online and next week. back.